Good evening. Uh, it's good to see you all. Welcome if you're joining us online. I only have one announcement, and that's for the refreshments afterwards. So do stay for those if you can. Uh, this morning we were thinking about how great and awesome the God who speaks from heaven is. This evening we're thinking about something that is even more awesome that God loves us and that God doesn't just love us in a theoretical, um, technical sort of way, but he loved us enough to send his son. So it's a great subject. Uh, We're going to start by singing of the greatness of our God as we sing Name of All Majesty. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing.
So the part of the Bible um, we're going to be looking at today is Isaiah chapter 53. It's on page 813 in the Church Bibles. Oh, sorry, I should have bought all my glasses when I looked at it. Um, we've just been singing of Christ in his majesty... And now we look at what God sent hundreds of years in advance about this Christ who was coming. So let's read God's word. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so opened not, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and make intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Our Lord, as... We remember when you came to earth, you said what 
kind of love is it that a man lay down his life for his friends? And yet we know that your love is even more amazing than that because you're not just a man. And you didn't just lay down your life for your friends, but while we were still your enemies, you died. You took the penalty that everyone deserves for ignoring the great God who made them, for turning their backs on him and going their own way. Oh Lord, you took that penalty, Jesus. We thank you for that, for everyone who trusts you. For everyone who turns to you, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And Lord, we thank you that the price is paid completely. Oh Lord, we ask that all of us will know what it is. To know that you took it for me. That you love me that much. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts and our lives will be changed by what you've done for us. Amen. We're going to sing again and ask ourselves the question, what kind of love is this that our God would do this for us?
Let's uh, pray again. Oh Lord, we thank you that we are allowed to come to the Holy God in prayer. The God who years ago was so, and you still are, so awesome that that no one could go near you. No one could even go on the mountain because you are too holy for humans to come close to. Not just because we're humans, but because we do wrong things, because we are guilty, because we are selfish and unkind. But we thank you that because Jesus took the punishment, we can come to our Father in heaven and we can come to you confidently like a child. We are in your family and we know that if you didn't hold back your one and only Son, the most precious thing you had, oh Lord, we are so sure that you will give us everything we need. And we ask that you will help us to grasp hold of that in a way that makes a difference to every day. Lord, you know how we worry. You know how we go chasing after things in the hope that they'll make us happy, knowing that what makes us really happy is that relationship with you, that following of our maker's instructions, which he's put there for us to have good and happy lives. That confidence that our Father knows and loves us. Oh Lord, we pray that that will be what we're hungry for most of all. And we pray that as we face worries of all sorts, Lord, that you'll help us to do what you tell us to cast our cares and our burdens on worries on you, confident that you are able to help us through and that you will take each one of your children through life in the best possible way and at the end of life or when you come again, you will welcome them to be with you forever. And we pray that that will be a confidence that we have in a practical way. And we ask that the joy of knowing your love will be something that overflows in our lives. We pray that there will be a difference between us who know you and the people we meet. We pray that we will be able to shine and reflect a little bit of your love for us. Lord, we thank you that Tim's uh, been able to come and uh, share, share your word with us. And we pray, Lord, that you will use it. You will help him to be clear. You'll help him to be accurately passing on what you say in your word. And we thank you that he has the opportunity to go to Africa for some weeks to teach students about your word. And Lord, we pray that that will be useful and that that will lead to a multiplying of your word as they go and tell the people that they're, they're seeing and that they know the truth about Jesus. 
Oh Lord, we, we do thank you that you are the God of the whole world. And we thank you that world over you are changing people's lives. People are coming to know your love and your peace. And we ask, Lord, that you will have mercy on this world. We pray that you'll change things. You know how much war, how many innocents are dying as the result of wicked man's greed. Oh, we pray that you will have mercy. We, we know we don't deserve it, but we ask, Lord, that you will. And we pray that you will be close to us. We pray we'll hear what you've got to say to us now. And we pray you'll help us to remember. And we pray that that will make a difference to next week. Amen. We're going to sing again and celebrate the, the ability that we have to spend time thinking about God's love for us. And then we look forward to Tim coming and speaking to us. Welcome among you this evening, and uh, Rosalind and I would value your prayers as we travel to Africa on Wednesday uh, for most of March, uh, teaching a group of students uh, who are gathered there. 
25 students, mostly from South Sudan, and uh, we've never met them before, at least not all of them, and uh, we trust that God will bless us there. We're going to turn in God's word to Isaiah chapter 53, and uh, our text from God this evening is verse 10, Isaiah 53 and verse 10 where we read Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him He has put him to grief When his soul makes an offering for sin he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand If I uh, were to sing uh, these words uh, then most of you would know where they come from Yes When this heart and flesh shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. Um, That comes from the hymn Amazing Grace. It's the fifth verse of Amazing Grace. And many of you will know that Amazing Grace was written by uh, John Newton. uh, And it arose out of his own experience of the amazing grace of God that saved a wretch like him. He was indeed a very sinful man by his own confession. Uh, He sunk uh, very low in sin. He was a people trafficker, if you like. He was part of the slave trade and was captain of a slave trafficking ship. And yet God saved him. Hymns arise very often out of people's deep experiences. And our text is the fifth verse of a song uh, that has arisen in particular circumstances uh, in Old Testament times. The prophet uh, Isaiah uh, wrote a number of songs. They're they're sort of Hebrew poetry, poetry, prophetic poetry, uh, written 700 years before Jesus came, but they are all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the fourth and final uh, servant song in uh, Isaiah. It really begins in chapter 52 and verse uh, 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. And every, every three verses form one verse of the song, if you like. So our text comes in the fifth verse, the last three verses of the song. And the song arises in a particular context in the the life of Israel, uh, the life of Judah. And Isaiah has been building up to this song with uh, three, or or two sets of three. There's a set of three uh, calls to listen And then there are a set of three calls to awake. So in chapter 51 and verse 1, uh, we have this uh, call for people to listen. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock where you're hewn from. And the, the point that Isaiah is making there is, listen, you came from Abraham and Sarah, which looked so barren, so hopeless, So futile a situation. Yet God, in his power, 
has produced a whole nation from a barren couple, an old age barren couple. So God, uh, Isaiah says, comforts Zion. Be comforted. God can make a wilderness, a barren place, uh, into a most beautiful place of blessing. The second listen is in verse 4 of chapter 51. Give attention to me, my people. Give ear to me, my nation. Uh, Righteousness goes out from me. My salvation is on its way. Uh, Don't be afraid of the world that makes fun of you, that ridicules you, that despises you, because my salvation is on the way. The world, all these people who laugh at God and at Christianity, the world is going to become like a moth-eaten rag. But my salvation, God says, is eternal. My righteousness will never be dismayed. So don't be afraid of the world. It's on its way out. But rejoice in this great salvation. So listen. And then the the third listen is in chapter 51, verse uh, 7. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. And uh, don't, again, don't be afraid of the, the world because my righteousness and my salvation stand forever. Kind of repetition of the theme. And then we get three awakes. The first is a prayer for God to awake as if his arm has been inactive. As if he's been asleep, doing nothing. And the the cry is, God, awake. Make bare your arm and do something like you did uh, when you delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. Do a a new exodus. Come and redeem your people. And so that's the the first call uh, to awake. And then, in chapter 51, verse 17, you get the second awake. It's a, a, a call to Jerusalem. Wake yourself up, wake yourself up, stand up, Jerusalem. The nightmare of being under the wrath of God is going to end. And God is going to remove his wrath from you and uh, he's going to visit his wrath upon those who have been oppressing you. But you are going to be saved. The nightmare is going to be over. And then the third awake is in chapter 52, verse 1. Awake, awake. Put on strength, O Zion. Put on beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Uh, For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised, the unclean. Shake yourself. Enjoy the liberation that God is going to bring to you. It's it's all going to be joy and deliverance and hope. And this message is going to come. How beautiful upon the mountains are those feet of those who bring good news and publish peace and uh, who bring good news of happiness, verse 7. Public salvation, say to Zion, your God reigns. So wake up, Jerusalem. All is not lost. God is going to save you, and there's this good news coming to you. And that's the background to this last song, this fourth servant song. Because... All those promises that God has called people to listen to, the promises that he's going to miraculously comfort his people uh, through eternal righteousness and eternal salvation, the message of good news, of peace and happiness and liberation and eternal salvation and that your God reigns, all those promises and the hope they bring 
are going to be brought about by the servant, the Lord's servant. So there's this song about the servant who miraculously secures the eternal righteousness which people need, who miraculously procures the salvation, the redemption that they're all longing for and wanting, the peace. He secures the peace. So the song is about the Lord's servant. And uh, central to the song are the words of our text. The text really uh, brings together, encapsulates the, the whole of theme of the song. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yes, it will, yet it will, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. He has put him to grief. That's God's purpose, the divine purpose. It was the will of the Lord to crush him and put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, that's the purpose, the divine purpose of all that's talked about here. And then, uh, the will of the Lord shall, or he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. This is the, the, the divine promises to the servant that his work will not be in vain. And then, the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This is the, the power of God at work, even today, through this servant. The servant is Jesus. Uh, we were reminded that this was written 700 years and more before Jesus was born. But it was God planning it all. God could inspire Isaiah to, to compose this song and for us to be able to, to read it and meditate on it tonight. So, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. The divine plan. Sometimes you may walk past a building and wonder what's going on on that building site. There's a block of flats very close to us in an otherwise uh, residential area where all the houses are sort of two-storey pitched roofs and then you get this block of flats. It's where the old Baptist church, the Victoria Baptist church used to be in Victoria Drive. And they've surrounded this block of flats with scaffolding and plastic sheets and you think, well what are they doing? Surely, surely they're not going to build another floor on top of the already existing four floors which is higher than any of the houses. They're not going to build another story on top of that, surely. And it's been encased in all this polythene and scaffolding for nearly a year now. Maybe there's going to be an unveiling in a few months' time and we shall see what they've done. But many could be mystified. What is going on? What are they doing behind that uh, veiled screen? What's going on? And God... When the arm of the Lord, when God rolled up his sleeves and began to work out uh, how he's going to bring about this deliverance, this hope, this peace, this good news. When God rolled up his arms and started working, people didn't understand what was happening. You read there at the beginning of the song, 
chapter 52, verse 14. Many were astonished at you. What's going on? And Isaiah, at the, the, the second verse, says, Who has believed what they've heard from us? Even though we've tried to explain it to them, they haven't believed it. People were astonished. And even when it was explained to them what the arm of God was doing, they didn't get it. Didn't understand it. They couldn't see that the, the baby born at Bethlehem Growing up before God like a tender plant, protected by him. Growing as the root out of the dry ground. The, the royal house of David had been sort of cut down, as it were. There had been no king born to the Jews for ages. But then suddenly, this shoot begins to grow. The very purpose for the whole royal family line of David he bursts forth. He's the root out of the dry ground. And he's protected by the arm of God. He's brought into the world by the arm of God, the, the miracle of the incarnation. Then he's protected by the arm of God from the arm of Herod, who wants to kill him, and he sends in his army men to, to kill the babies at Jerusalem, at Bethlehem. But God protects him. But people didn't understand what was going on. What's, what's a, why is Mary expecting a baby? They couldn't get their heads around it. Joseph had difficulty getting his head around it. He did believe because God told him what was happening. Then people couldn't understand about this carpenter. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. Then Jesus grew up and he became the, the local carpenter and was worn out by his hard work as a carpenter. There wasn't a sort of an attractiveness about this work-worn man that made people think, this is the saviour of the world. When he began to preach in the synagogue at Nazareth, they said, who is this? He's just a carpenter. We've got Mary here, his mother. We've got his brothers here, we've got his sisters here. Who is he? They couldn't understand, but it was the arm of God. The arm of God working, raising up the Saviour, the preacher of all truth. They couldn't understand it. And when God's servant, his son Jesus, uh, didn't do what people wanted him to do, they despised him, they rejected him. He fed them one day, and they run away from him the next day. Why? He wouldn't do what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to be a king who could feed them every day by just praying. And as he prayed to heaven and blessed the loaves and broke them and multiplied them, what a king! We had him as our king. <laughs> well, work would be a thing of the past. We'd just sort of bring our little bit of bread and he would multiply it. We want to make you a king. But this man, Jesus, was the servant of God. The Lord's servant. He wasn't going to obey the will of men and women and boys and girls. He was obeying the will of his father. He wouldn't be the kind of king they wanted him to be. So, instead of 
crowning him, they despise him. They reject him. And he endured such public hostility that everyone, everyone was embarrassed by him. Even his disciples. Even Peter, who protested his loyalty, was embarrassed when Jesus is despised and rejected by men. They hid, as it were, their faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Today we live in a world where Jesus is despised. Where Christianity is despised. Many hide their faces in embarrassment. I don't want to be known as a Christian. It's embarrassing. But this is the arm of God at work. It was the arm of God at work. It was the the will of the Lord that this would be the pathway that Jesus went. But the song tells us that the rejection didn't stop there. We're told in verse 7 that he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Verse 8 tells us he was put on trial. He was oppressed and judgment was taken away. He was put on trial but (laughs) there was no justice in the trial. False witnesses. He was scourged. Repeated lashes of a barbed whip stripe after stripe after stripe was inflicted on his back and left there ploughed torn flesh of his back by his stripes we're told verse 5 he was wounded the the Hebrew word there wounded in verse 5 is pierced, he was pierced. They hammered nails through his hands, nails through his feet. They lifted him up on the cross to crucify him. His life was cut short, he was struck down. They murdered him among murderers. They made his grave with the wicked. And all this, says Isaiah, was God rolling up his sleeves to work. This is our report. Who's believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is what the arm of the Lord was doing. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Your God reigns. And your God was reigning, not in a remote, blissful heaven, ignorant of what was happening down there to Jesus. No, God was reigning over what was happening to Jesus. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. It happened uh, because God wanted to comfort his people. He told them, listen, listen. The nightmare is over. 
I'm bringing you out from the nightmare of being under my wrath. Listen, I'm bringing you peace and righteousness. Listen, there's good news for you. Awake. You can cast off your uh, robes of sadness and misery and put on garments of joy because I'm doing something. And the arm of the Lord was made bare. And this is what the arm of the Lord was doing. It was the arm of the Lord to, to crush him. But so few, people, so few people believed it. You're telling me that this is God at work. Many were astonished at you. The song begins. His appearance was marred beyond human semblance his form beyond that of the children of mankind he was so disfigured Psalm 22 is again another prophetic song speaks about Jesus it says that all his bones were out of joint as he's crucified and hung up there every bone seemed to be in the wrong place Twisted and distorted. He says, the skin was stretched so thin over his bones. He said, I can count all my bones. And he describes himself as like a a dried potsherd. If you can picture this sort of clay surface which has become cracked in the heat. Well, Jesus' body looked all cracked and torn and broken, dried, hanging there, boneless, held together in a skin bag upon the cross. That's what I'm like, he says. And people were astonished. His appearance marred more than any man, beyond human recognition. Is that Jesus? Yes, it's Jesus. Crushed and abused. Our text says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It wasn't his pleasure in the sense of uh, a sadistic desire to be entertained by somebody being tortured. No. It was the will of the Lord to crush him to achieve the goal of his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the only way for him to achieve this goal of salvation and peace and righteousness and the end of the nightmare of wrath the only way for him to achieve that was to crush his servant, his son. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Mount of Olives, there are obviously olive trees growing. They grow for one purpose, to produce olives. The olives are grown for one purpose, to be crushed, so the oil can be extracted and used by human beings. And Jesus, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is being crushed. He knows he's going to be crushed. 
And he prays to his father, Father, if it is possible, if there is another way to bring the promised peace, if there's another way to introduce the promised righteousness, if there's another way to secure this redemption for people, if there's another way to raise people out of the nightmare, then, Father, let's go that way. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And it was the will of the Father to crush Jesus so that life could flow from him, eternal life, to you, to me. It was the will of the Father. Why? Why did God do this? Well, the purpose is in the song. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for sin. His soul makes an offering for sin. The Wednesday before last, there was a cliff fall at Seaford Head. Somebody was filming down there on their mobile phone and suddenly they heard this collapse of the cliff. They turned their phone and caught uh, the, the last bit of the falling of the cliff into the sea. Coastal erosion. It's a reality. It's happening on our doorstep, in a sense. It's much more severe in Norfolk and Yorkshire. People's homes are being tumbled into the sea and lost. And we, we feel for them in the loss of everything they've built up. It's just gobbled up by the sea. And we're told the, the coastal erosion is accelerating. But there is another kind of erosion which is more dangerous, more widespread and will affect people far more deeply than the coastal erosion of Britain. It is the erosion of words. Especially the word sin. He shall make his soul an offering for sin. What's sin? Well, sin is a word which has been eroded and eroded and eroded almost to meaninglessness today. The Bible clearly defines sin. It describes sin. It says sin is the transgression of God's law. We have the Ten Commandments. It's the, the boundary marker. You cross over this boundary and you are in the realm of sin. You shall have no other God beside the redeeming, saving God. You shall not make yourself an image to bow down and worship. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in an empty way. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall honour your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. But that description of sin, that def definition of sin, has been eroded and eroded and eroded. Coveting. Coveting. Have this catalogue. Have that catalogue. Have this catalogue. 
comes up on your screen, 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 screen. Have this, have this, have this, have this. They've got it, they've got it. You shall not covet. Oh, no, 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 come on. It's the whole business. That's how the economy works. Shall not commit adultery. Not the, the affair in the office. Come on. Everybody's doing it, aren't they? It's nothing. Go on. Erosion of sin. The meaning of sin. It's all eroding. And that's dangerous. Because sin is so serious. The wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God in his blessing. Separation to God in his curse. Death is a separation of body and spirit when the life is gone. The body is there, but the soul is gone. Death is the experience of that departed soul in the torment of hell. Immediately. As Jesus told us. Death is worse. There comes a day when there's going to be a resurrection, a joining of body and soul again together, raised up. Some will be raised up to enjoy eternal life. Others will be raised up in new bodies to experience torment forever. Jesus says, I'll tell you who you should be afraid of. You should be afraid of God, who has the power to cast both body and soul into hell. Death is the eternal experience of the punishment due to our sins. Sin is serious. And the erosion of the word to make us all a bit careless and blasé about sin. <laughs> well, come on. That was, that was medieval. We're 21st century people. We, we don't talk like that anymore. No, but God is unchanging. He has not changed his definition of sin. So sin stands in the court of God. In his love, it's been the will of the Lord to crush him, Jesus, so that Jesus can make his soul an offering for sin. The only remedy for sin is for the death that we deserve because of it to be endured by somebody else on our behalf. That was the whole purpose of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. The people transferred their sins onto the animal. The animal died for them. Its blood was presented to God. Here, look, there's been a death for our sins. Please forgive us. But all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain couldn't give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. It took a sacrifice of nobler blood than those. And it was Jesus on the cross offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. It's in the song. All that we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to our own way. But... The Lord, with his mighty arm of salvation, 
the Lord has gathered up all our sins. All of them. All our sins. And laid them on the Lamb. All we like sheep have gone astray, but he never went astray. He's the sinless one. And yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. That was the plan of God. The purpose of God was that he should make his soul an offering for sin. And Jesus bore our sins in his own body to the tree. And the chastisement that brings us peace was upon him, the song says. The Lord crushed him to give peace to us. Salvation to us. The Lamb lived this perfectly righteous life to give righteousness to us. He died this terrible nightmare death so that the nightmare for us would be over. And there could be preachers preaching good news, peace, lives of happiness and joy and salvation. Our song's uh, introduction says, Behold my servant, he shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and exalted. Yes, the Lord would crush him. But then the Lord would raise him. It's Philippians 2. He who is in the form of God, didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's why God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus, through his death, gives life to all. The song verse goes on to say, He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. Jesus never married. He never had any physical children. But he has billions of spiritual children billions of people who owe their life to him they've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ they have this new life he's their children he shall see of the travel of his soul and be satisfied and that's what Jesus is doing now the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand Jesus is working in heaven the arm of God is working today across the globe bringing people out of their astonishment to belief, to belief in his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is bringing people, sends his Spirit to call people to repentance. Jesus is calling people here this evening to repent of your sin. Surely every single one of us would think, if that's what my sin has cost him, how, how dare I entertain the thought of sin Jesus is calling people to repentance calling people to faith Isaiah says who's believed our report to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed well are you believing it 
They were called upon to believe it. This is the arm of God at work. Growing Jesus as a tender plant. Keeping him as a spotless lamb through his life. Causing him to be offered as a sacrifice. To secure eternal salvation from sin. And to have good news proclaimed. Are you repenting of your sin? Are you believing upon Jesus Christ? That's what you're called upon to do. Do you already have salvation in Jesus Christ? Then rejoice. Rejoice of what God has done. And enjoy being saved. Amen. Uh, Our last hymn is up on the, the wall. Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. And we'll stand when the music starts and be ready to sing.
May the love of God, the love that sent Jesus Christ to die on Calvary, be enjoyed by us each one. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor and willingly, graciously suffered to save us. May the convicting, converting work of the Holy Spirit and his comforting, assuring ministry be enjoyed by us each one. From the triune God may blessings flow, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.